Good evening and welcome to The Pipeline. I am Western Standard columnist Corey Morgan. This is our weekly panel show where we'll dissect some of the top issues going on in Canada and give you all the answers you need to know about what's going on out there and how to interpret it. Before we dive into all those issues, perhaps I'll start though with our sponsor, a very important part of our show as well, and maintaining our status as independent media, and that's the Canadian Shooting Sports Association. They're a fantastic sponsor and a fantastic organization. If you're a person who owns firearms, wants to own firearms, whether you hunt, collect, it's up to you, target shooting, you need to be a member of this organization, guys. They're standing up for you. They're making sure you can maintain that right to use your firearms as you please, collect them, sell them, do what you like. Of course, within the bounds of the law, we're law-abiding people. Either way, check them out. The Canadian Shooting Sports Association, their website's at cssa-cila.org, or you can just Google them, Canadian Shooting Sports Association. Okay, I'm joined this week. I'll start from the end over there with our news editor, Dave Naylor. How's it going, Dave? It's going great, Corey. Happy to be here with you on your birthday. <laughs> Thanks. That's the one bit of news I've been really trying to keep discreet lately, but thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and, uh, Nigel Hannaford, our opinion editor, regular on the show. In my opinion, your birthday is a great time to celebrate. Well, thanks. It's, uh, all right, so we got a, a lot of stories and issues to cover today, so let's get right to it. We got some uh, a big event in Alberta. Premier Daniel Smith has addressed the province. It's kind of unusual, actually, to have that sort of address uh, out of the blue, though there is a legislative session just about to begin. Dave, uh, what has Premier Smith had to say? Yeah, just finished a few minutes ago, Corey. Uh, uh, the big sort of headline out of it is uh, her future plans for the Heritage Savings Trust Fund. Uh, currently sitting around, uh, I think, $22 billion. She wants to increase it to four, as much as $450 billion uh, by the year 2050. Uh, it's the same year that Alberta will hopefully be uh, you know, a net zero uh, province. Uh, you know, it's all related, all reliant on um, energy revenues, oil prices, and all that sort of stuff. But uh, you've got some countries in the world, I mean, they're living off their versions of Heritage Savings Trust Fund. Like you know, like Norway and stuff like that, just billions and billions of dollars in uh, in uh, interest and profits coming in every year helps fund their their uh, their economy. And uh, Smith uh, wants to do the same thing here. I think it's obviously a, a legacy project for her, Nigel. Well, not only is it a legacy project, but it's also a life dream. I mean, back twenty years ago on the editorial board at the Calgary Herald, that was talked of a lot. Uh, how we really needed to grab hold of the Heritage Fund and make something of it. And it was just a crying shame. What they were doing back in those days was they weren't letting it grow. Every year the provincial government would scoop the interest off and feed it into general revenue. And so it sat there at 14 billion, 14 billion, 14 billion. And you know, if that had been allowed to grow, it would be a heck of a lot more than $22 billion today. So, you know, I, I think it's an incredible, First of all, I mean, I just hope she hope she uh, stays the course on this uh, because that's always the the problem. In the past, people have always said, "Oh yeah, got to got to build the heritage fund up," and then done just the complete opposite, ripped it off. So you know, uh, I I wish her well, and you know, if it takes her being in office until twenty fifty to see it through, then. Uh, <laughs> There's the first problem. Yeah, well, if there is a pile of money, there's going to be somebody who wants to get their hands on it. 
you know, this helps get it out of the reach. I, I've noticed, well, it's nothing unusual. The budget's about a week away for the, the formal budget to come out. And already I've been watching the, the press releases. The nurses want more funding. The teachers want more funding. The cities want more funding. The police want more. You name it. Everybody wants more funding. Uh, Premier Smith said she's not cutting anything, but she's ensuring, though, that any extra dollars are going into savings. Sorry, guys, but uh, we're going to take that out before it even gets uh, gobbled up. I, I think it's an interesting tactic. You know, one of the things, that, though, that people watching this need to understand is how much interest we are paying on the debt that we have at the moment, which is in the order of $70 billion. Like $3 billion a year is coming out of our pockets and going to the the people who hold the debt. I mean, I'm glad they were prepared to lend it in the first place. But nevertheless, if you can get rid of that debt, then you save that money. And this is the crying shame. Since in 2010, Alberta was debt free. Since then, we have received something like $140 billion in resource revenues. And yet, in that same period of time, we have paid $21.5 billion in interest charges. All that money coming in. And yet we still ended up having to borrow some. It's, uh, it's actually almost criminal. It is bad management. I mean, that could have been capital investments in, in all sorts of things. The things people are complaining about today that we're lacking. Right. We could have the hospitals. We could have the overpasses, the schools. $21 billion could go a long way. Oh, that's right. But it, it was always, give us more now, give us more now. And I guess politicians who wanted to get elected uh, weren't able to make the case that it was better to provide for the future. Yeah, fortunately, it's a drop in the bucket compared to the interest charges the uh, Trudeau government is paying on their uh, their their massive debt, you know, just tens of billions. You mean that we Canadian citizens are paying? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. But uh, it is all predicated on, mm -hmm. uh, on oil prices, as I said. If, uh, if they go in the tank, then, uh, you know, it's going to be very difficult budgeting and some very difficult decisions uh, have to be made. But, uh, you know, as Nigel says, it's, it's time to make them and get them done. Yeah, yeah. well, there's an, almost a bit of an admission that oil and gas is still a finite resource. I mean, there's a lot of debate about how long. It seems we've got a federal government that just wants to bring it to an end as soon as possible. I think a lot of other people are saying, well, we've got it. Let's utilize it while we have it. But both can agree at one point or another, it will be gone. Yes. Yeah. And, and having something socked away for when that time comes is, is a, a smart strategy. What, what did uh, Trudeau call, uh, sorry, what did Smith call Trudeau today in her address? A delusional, delusional enemy? ideologue or, or something. A delusional yeah. enemy or something like that. Yeah, it's, um, I, I mean, what she, what she is saying here is that Alberta has one last shot at getting <clears> this right. Well, I thought that was a very powerful line because that's really what it boils down to between the federal government uh, nipping at your heels and the fact that it is a finite resource, there may not be another opportunity to do this. No, and, and speaking of shots, it, it takes a bullet out of the, the, the gun that the left is like to use. They love pointing at Norway, saying, look at that fun that Norway had, but conservative governments in Alberta uh, frittered it away. I mean, you got to keep in mind, Norway never had a Quebec to support. Mm. But all the same, we could have done better with our money. There, there's no getting around that. And at this point, this Premier Smith can say, well, that's what I am doing. I'm putting that away. Or Alaska, I think they get a, a, an yes, annual do. dividend. Uh, uh, $1,300 last year. That's $1,312 nice. per person. So U.S. U.S., yeah. Real dollars. Yeah, real <laughs> not, dollars. Not the Canadian peso. Not the colored money. No, yeah. this is the greenback. So it's, uh, yeah. So I, I imagine this should be very well received. I mean, I, I know all the... Uh, 
the, the, the screaming voices out there seeking more money will be upset, but they always are. And uh, uh, I think most Albertans will appreciate this savings. So we'll, time will tell, I guess. Yeah, I think it's going to go back to the uh, the Ralph Klein days of restraint, uh, not throwing money at every uh, everybody that asked for it. Sorry, the, the quote you were looking for, a federal government that acts like a strategic partner rather than a delusional adversary. There you go. Okay, Word, so words to good write speech. on the wall. Excellent speech. If the head of the federal government is a delusional adversary, uh, this morning, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau had some choice words for Premier Smith as Holy well. Holy cow, did he ever rip into her? He was in Edmonton uh, for a housing announcement. Um, but before he did, he appeared on the uh, Ryan Jesperson show, uh, your mortal... Uh, uh, I wouldn't say enemy. He's a counterpart. Counterpart, yeah, yes. uh, independent media. This is what he said about Alberta and uh, Daniel Smith. Quote, Albertans are being fooled by right-wing politicians. Uh, it has ripped off oil sands workers by refusing to embrace his climate change policies. And quote, right-wing ideology is getting in the way of Alberta's success. It's not a plot by Eastern bastards. Speaking of Ralph, uh, Ralph Klein, uh, Smith invited uh, Trudeau to meet with her while he was in Edmonton and uh, was snubbed. Well, that so, was uh, never going to happen. No. no. So very, very, I think this is the, the, the harshest that uh, uh, Trudeau's ever been with uh, Smith, and it uh, it just shows the uh, the utter state of disrepair that uh, relations between the two, uh, two are in. Well, I think there's two things to pick up on that, Corey. One <clears throat> is that... Um, First of all, I do believe that Mr. Trudeau is constructing for use in Eastern Canada, Central Canada, the image of the Western provinces, certainly Alberta, but also Saskatchewan, as being uh, Western bastards who, um, you know, are, 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 are just sort of so into fooling people and, and ripping people off and things like that, that he will be able to say, if you want Mr. Poiliev to be your prime minister, remember he comes from Calgary. He thinks like those people, so vote for me. That's the first thing that's going on. There's a very definite strategy taking shape of demonizing the West in order to gain electoral advantage in the East. Well, and part of what gets insulting too, though, is he talks about how, you know, Westerners have been misled by these these leaders, these ideologues, these right-wingers. But it's also a, a sidelong way of basically saying we're stupid. We, we aren't seeing the big picture and we're being, you know, led by the nose by these politicians, which, uh, though, I mean, he doesn't care what we think about him out here. That's clear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the... Uh yeah, it's, 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 it's a branding exercise for him, uh, pure and simple. But uh, here's the second thing. He actually believes what he's saying is true. Now, there is a tendency in pubs and bars around, uh, around Calgary and in Alberta generally to dismiss him as a blithering idiot. And he certainly does provide the evidence quite often that that is indeed the case. So they have, on the one hand, this incredible uh, devotion to things that just plain ain't so, but also can't make the connection between cause and effect in their own policies. Not that they're the only government who's ever done that, but it's, it's frightening.
you know, they are the only government in the world currently sticking to their, uh, you yes. know, their, their, their wacky green policies when every other government in the world is making changes and backing down and mm -hmm. saying, well, this is not realistic anymore and that's not realistic anymore. Uh, but uh, Trudeau and his uh, cohort, uh, Gil Bowe, just keep, uh, keep blindly pushing on. By the way, Dave, linking this to what we were talking about just a moment with the Heritage Fund, do you recall in your days at The Sun how concerned quite prominent Albertans were in the first decade of this century that uh, there was no point in building up the Heritage Fund because Ottawa would just find a way to steal it? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, just like the National yeah, Energy uh, Program. And it wouldn't surprise me a bit if, uh, if that becomes... the the, the next thing that Mr. Trudeau chooses to take issue with. Mm, that would be interesting. And ideology and a good court battle. Yeah, tactically, I mean, it said Premier Smith knew there was never going to be a meeting, if he, even if you asked for one. He's, he's not going to sit down. It serves Premier Smith well and Prime Minister Trudeau well <clears throat> if they're fighting with each other. I, I, when, when a Premier is standing up for Alberta, no matter who it is, against Ottawa, it tends to be good for their numbers locally. Likewise, with a Prime Minister, if they're keeping those big, bad Albertans in their place that tends to resonate well in Quebec and Ontario. Yeah, well, they, I mean, they've been at it for a couple of months now at each other's throats and uh, hasn't moved the Liberals at all in the polls. It's in fact, no, nothing's uh, you know, moving they're down 20, per, 20 points now. So maybe it's a sign of desperation. Maybe it's a Hail Mary type uh, move. But, or maybe uh, it's a sign that people aren't back east aren't really paying attention and won't until they actually get into an election cycle, at which point they will be fed this. And they'll find it very persuasive. We shall see. Uh, the shots have been fired. And, and uh, Premier Smith, I mean, she's got a lot now to deal with at home as the legislature opens next week. Mm -hmm. and, and lots on the go there. And uh, Prime Minister Trudeau has, certainly has things he wants to distract and deflect from. And uh, the uh, Arrive scam, the Arrive Can app, it, it just, uh, it's not going away. But the Liberals now start to seem like they want to just kind of cover this up. Yeah, $60 billion boondoggle. I'd want to cover it up too. Uh, Trudeau was asked about it today and uh, basically blamed um, civil servants. Uh, the uh, Auditor General, Karen Hogan, says documents may have been destroyed uh, in the process. And the Liberals, along with their cohorts, the Bloc, have uh, blocked a Conservative plan to call the companies that made the $60 billion their executives to testify in front of a commons committee. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's obviously a massive cover-up going on uh, and uh, steps are being taken to uh, find a scapegoat and uh, it certainly won't be any of uh, Justin Trudeau's liberals. And yet it should be, shouldn't it? It should be. I mean, maybe I have an old-fashioned idea of what parliamentary responsibility means, but we have a minister in charge of public safety, Dominant LeBlanc, Public safety has under its umbrella the Canadian Border Services Agency. It's the guys in the CBSA who are being blamed. Now, none of us actually know what they did, what they were instructed, whether they were reckless, dropped the ball, um, took advantage of things they shouldn't have taken advantage, all of these things have been floated. So the Auditor General certainly drew attention to the possibility but who was minding the shop? It would be the minister. And even if the minister was not party to these activities, it is not enough for him to say, oh, well, the, 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 the boys were having a party. He's responsible. So where is the 
responsibility of the minister to see that his department was running efficiently and according to the rules. Evidently, as he is still in office and in place, they're not taking that very seriously. There was a time, Dave, when this would have been enough for the minister to tender his resignation. Yeah, without being uh, without being asked. When when was the last time a minister took responsibility for anything in Canada um, and, and resigned? Well, I think it was Francis Fox in about 1997. But uh, I mean, we're going back more than 25 years now to get yeah. to that point. We've got some yeah. other ministers resigning, but it's usually taking responsibility for something the prime minister did. Uh, yes. The finance minister yeah. fell right. on his sword, uh, you know. Yeah, I remember when Maxime Bernier resigned when the Conservatives were in power because he left secret Rich notes uh, with, his, there, with yeah. his girlfriend. So, uh, uh, it, it just, it, it, it hasn't happened under liberal uh, leadership despite scandal after scandal after scandal. Not one single minister has, has resigned. Sitting aside the principle of personal responsibility that's lacking and, and looking at, again, the, the political covering of the butt. I mean, if they want to try and make senior bureaucrats the state scapegoats and say, you know, it's not my fault it happened under my watch, but it's their fault, fine. If the Liberals felt, though, that truly all roads are going to lead to senior bureaucrats, why are they showing fear at having the owners of that company showing up before a committee? You would think, we want to bring these guys out point the finger at those bureaucrats and bury them so we can say, see, we caught the culprits. We'll make sure to make procedures so this doesn't happen again. But instead, they don't want those guys speaking publicly. They don't want to have the public see exactly what happened, which starts to make me think there might be something tied yeah. in there a little close. Well, it's a bad look. They're being obstructionist. Yeah, and as you just said, why don't they want to get to the bottom of it too? Yeah, I'm just speaking again to the cold yeah. political outlook. You know, I just, you know, if I were the prime minister, I'd want to be able to say that those dastardly fellows, they, they ripped off Canadian taxpayers during an emergency. You know, I wish I'd have caught it at the time, but we were just so busy saving the world that we missed it. But we're going to hold them accountable. But instead, they're like, uh, yeah, there's nothing to see here. We're going to. And, and in paragraph two, and my minister was negligent in his duty of supervision of the people in his department mm. and i have his resignation right here yeah. or you can move that as yeah. well the prime minister can hold the minister responsible yeah. it's actually pretty dirty pool if you're a senior politician and you just say oh it all went wrong because i had you know dishonest people working for me and they don't have a they don't have any opportunity to come back and say well just a second we did this this and this everything was covered sir you know, mm. now you know, when we had pictures this week of Agriculture Minister Lawrence uh, McCauley mm -hmm. dining on a huge lobster while on a taxpayer-funded trip to to Malaysia, it's, they don't resign because they don't want to give up their entitlements that they're entitled to. Well, Dave, right? It's probably cheaper to eat lobster in Malaysia than it is to eat steak in Alberta. Uh, uh, that may be, but you don't, uh, in this day and age, when millions of people are going to food banks and inflation's hitting hard, how stupid... Do you have to be to put that on Twitter? I mean, just absolutely. It's, it's a lapse idiocy. of political instinct and optics. Oh. I mean, they, they, they don't feel. I, I don't. Or they don't grudge. care. Or they don't care yeah. anymore. It could be. It, it's they've been in too long. You know, yeah. we start forgetting. Well, you got to wonder who that was supposed to impress. Uh, I mean, your friends already know <laughs> that you splash on lobster and expensive food, so they don't need to see it. The only other people who might be interested are those who are going to say, "Well, it's all right for some, isn't it?" Look at that. And, they, they, as and as indeed they did. They don't understand why people are scandalized. They didn't understand why we were furious about somebody getting a $6,000 a night hotel room. 
during the Queen's funeral. They don't understand why people were upset that the Prime Minister stated a, a, a gift to a resort for $84,000. When people are tightening their belts because of this government's policies, and these guys keep, at you know, at least give the superficial effort to hide your conspicuous consumption might make us feel a little better, but they don't even try. We've come a long way since uh, $16 orange juice. No. Oh, Oda was thinking, geez, I should have eaten better. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I have to say that there are some things that you do when you're traveling on behalf of the government that as a private citizen wouldn't look good. I mean, they don't let you just stay wherever you want. You can only eat in the restaurant and the price is what it is. However, to then lay your lobster out on the plate, okay, just don't take it, it now, you know. Uh, <laughs> And then it's stick it on Twitter. Yeah. It's just we don't expect them to stay at the Super Eight or eat at McDonald's no, either. No, but you no, just no. gotta be discreet, I, I would think. But I mean, back to that. You know, when it comes to cultural and when it comes to attitudes, it wasn't just the liberals that are kind of blocking this, looking into the Rive scam incident going on. The block were behind it too. There's a different culture in Quebec when it comes to political corruption and inside uh, contract awarding. I mean, it, it's a little. They're more accepting of that sort of thing over there. It's, it's hard to define, but there, when, there's something uh, to that. When my family first immigrated from England, we moved to Montreal, and my dad didn't last more than a year because it couldn't handle all the corruption that was going on. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying every Quebecer is corrupt by any means at all, but there is a different uh, attitude when it comes towards, you know, well, you take that person out for dinner and you help them along with this if you want that contract. And Do you remember the scandal a few years ago when McLean's Magazine put Benam on the, the front page and they called Quebec the most corrupt province yes. in, the, <laughs> in the country and people lost their minds? Or well, Quebec and they statistically proved it yeah. in that article. I mean, they showed that, uh, you know, the, these sorts of things happen there a great deal more than they do in other parts of the country. Yeah, just look at all the bribe uh, SNC-Lavalin were paying. Because the bloc is usually quite eager to rip into Trudeau when they can, but at this point they're kind of like, eh, you know, we don't need to look any deeper here. Probably not ready for an election. No, well, there's that too. <laughs> and, uh, uh, man, self-serving. You know, it is, I know, it's a dream, but, you know, the, you think this, if we're going to get ideologues, a principled one would be refreshing sometimes. The only way to feel better about any of this is to look at countries where it's worse. Yeah. And there are many. There are. We can do worse. We just want to make sure we don't get there. Yeah. That's right. Moving in the wrong direction. Uh, well, let's move a little into the direction at home here. Speaking of getting into our wallets, and uh, uh, it looks like some rates are going up for people visiting ill loved ones uh, in medical facilities, Dave. Yeah, and it's not just visitors. It's doctors, nurses, physiotherapists. They're all going to be paying more to uh, for the pleasure to park at a provincial hospital. Uh, larger facilities, it's uh, going up 75 cents an hour. Smaller ones... 50 cents an hour, and the parking's not 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 cheap all, already. And you know, we've been talking about this for a couple of days now, and I I can understand doctors and nurses and physiotherapists being charged to park at their workplace. We all get charged to park at work, you know, uh, downtown. But to to charge patients who are there daily visiting dying family members or supporting somebody with uh, cancer, uh, cancer treatment at the Tom Baker, to charge them 15, 16, $17 a day, it's ridiculous in my opinion. It's absolutely ridiculous in a province this prosperous that uh, visitors have to be charged. And, you know, we were talking about uh, uh, the Heritage Savings Trust Fund and people always want to get stuff out for their little pet projects. That one would be mine. 
I would run an election on a campaign, no more parking at, uh, no more paid parking at hospitals. You're allowed one pet project. That's it. That's, okay. uh, that's my legacy. That's the, uh, at least that one would probably not destroy the plan. Yes. Sort of large-scale entitlements to wage increases for for uh, provincial employees that would ruin that. Um, no, I, I, I've been burned down there at the uh, at the hospital car parks too because you don't know how long you're going in there apart from anything else. Yeah, it's perfect. You're so you think, well, three hours should be enough. So you, you feed that in and then you find that uh, you're not a frequent user of the facility so you don't know that um, three hours just gets you a seat. It doesn't necessarily get you to see anybody. Um, then you're backwards and forwards up until the moment when they got to go and reload the meter again, and that's when you're in with the with the, um, with the medical professionals, and you can't do it. And you come back and you find you got a ticket. People are already upset, anxious, possibly grieving, maybe expecting to be grieving, but they're on edge, and they have that to deal with as well. Sure, let's by all means charge people to leave their cars there while they're doing business at the hospital, just so that it's not too easy to park there and go to the C train. But keep it cheap. Why does it have to be $15 a day when it could be $5 a day? You know, it's, uh, it, 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 they'll say, well, we're just, just charging what it costs. But that smacks of vicious compliance to me. Just something, isn't it interesting that just as uh, the Premier is getting up to make this speech, just as the legislature is set to resume, the civil service lobs that grenade into the fire. Yeah, it's another distraction, and it can tug the heartstrings. You know, the, oh, yeah. the guy visiting his, his dying mother, Mr. Death, by two minutes because he couldn't get his credit card to work in the That's, bloody parking yeah. machine. Uh, I mean, I'm not opposed to efforts to defray some costs. You know, have the Starbucks in there with a $5 coffee. Have the gift shop with the $80 bunch of flowers. At least those are options. A person can choose mm -hmm. whether or not to purchase those things. There's a gentleman who occasionally contacts us named Scott Kellogg who talks about selling advertising on hospital facilities. I'm not even opposed to that. I look at a Coca-Cola label on the way into the ward. Hey, if it's a few more bucks into the system. Great, but it's... I got a great one for you. More doctors smoke camels than any other brand. <laughs> there we go. It's, it's been tried and tested already. I actually kind of thought the same thing Nigel did when I heard the news was, you know, AHS is under a severe microscope from the Smith government, and this was just a deliberate act to, uh, to cause them some headaches mm -hmm. because it's certainly going to be one of the first questions that we ask the Premier at our next press conferences. What she thinks of it. It's the little relatable things that upset people. You, you mentioned earlier, you know, Bavota's $16 orange juice. The government can waste millions of dollars and people get upset, but they don't, they can't register with your common citizen what that is. When you think of a $16 glass of orange juice, so you can relate to that and realize that that's outrageous. Likewise, even though the AHS bills are through the roof, it's you getting an extra <clears throat> 50 cents on top of the $8 you already had to spend that will really infuriate you versus the monthly tax bill that you're getting a hike on. It, 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 you know, public relations-wise, it's a, a nasty shot if that was the intent. So when you go out for dinner tonight with Jane, are you going to be having lobster with orange juice on the side? 
I work at the standard. <laughs> okay. There's, I was reading something on the web about your net worth. Oh, uh, back to that. Uh, <laughs> holy cow. Yeah. But I think, you know, there's some unfortunate people that are in the hospital for a long, long time. And it becomes a financial drain on a family if, uh, if you've got to uh, go there every day and 20 bucks a day and, you know, for, for two months. That's a lot of money. It adds up. And, and again, or what will happen, some people might, if they're really tight for funds, might choose not to visit, might, you know, and, and that's harder on the patients. It's harder on the families. I mean, just over something we're talking a relatively small amount of money. For people who don't, I, I don't know about the other cities' hospitals, but the thing with Calgary too, at least the the Rocky View and, and the uh, Foothills, two large hospitals, the other thing is they're not near anything else. People aren't going to use that parking and then go somewhere else. There is nothing else near those hospitals. So I can understand worries about the parking lots getting filled by people using it for other purposes. Well, the Foothills the parking lot is within walking distance of the sea train. Sea mm, yeah, yeah, stadium, I guess. It, it's, yeah. A long walk. You it, wouldn't want to uh, do it in it, the middle of winter. Yeah, some people would. I, I guess, you know, put possibly in that case, but it, it's a pretty good hike. But I mean, you, you do mm. want to keep it reduced. As you said, at least make it a token amount, though. Not, not hitting so hard. Is, is yeah. what they have. And you, you can register your car at the front desk. Uh, that shows you're visiting mm -hmm. Joe Blow. So that would I think that would keep yeah. out the free parkers. Yeah. It's another way to do it, too. Yeah. I mean, if they got to go there and then hike <clears> to the C train, it's. Anyways, vote, vote for me in the next election. Yes. I will eliminate parking costs. We just at kicked off Dave's campaign, the party of Dave. There's the guy. All right. Smith is going to be swept for now. All right. Well, let's see. Let's talk about uh, inflation. Let's talk some nuts and bolts, some numbers. Uh, apparently, we should be popping the champagne corks and celebrating. Pop the champagne, Corey and Nigel, because inflation across the country is down to 2.9%. Yahoo. Uh, in Saskatchewan, they're partying even more. Because you remember Scott Moe got rid of the carbon tax, and specifically getting rid of the carbon tax uh, dropped the uh, inflation rate in Saskatchewan down to 1.9%, a full 1% lower than uh, the rest of the country. So any, anybody who says the carbon tax is not an inflationary uh, uh, thing has just been, just been proven wrong there. Uh, Alberta, bad news, no party here. We're up. We're the only province to go up. We're at 3.4%. Uh, it's because our electricity increased by a little bit, 119%. That's a little. That's uh, just a little bit. So that was the main reason uh, Alberta was uh, paying a lot more in, uh, in uh, inflation. So, you know, allegedly it's coming down, but I'm certainly not seeing it in my shopping, in my everyday life. Prices are still going up. So I was rooting to that point. I was looking for something in the kitchen drawer. And I pulled out a receipt from, well, a major grocery here in Calgary from, uh, I think it was January 2022. So two years ago, butter, three ninety seven a pound. Now, that must have been a deal because I see I bought about 10 of them. So, you know, yeah. maybe it was even a, a few years ago, they were usually four or five. But yeah, yeah, but, uh, you know, I think like four ninety five was probably the standard. But now, you know, anybody who's... Uh, if you see butter at five fifty, buy ten of them because you're not going to find it cheaper anywhere else. It's more like about six seventy five. So, kind of, these are foods. These are things that people actually buy. I mean, you can have your you can have your basket with Statistics Canada, and I'm not suggesting that they don't do things in an honest way, but it may not actually describe your life. 
So when you get down to the very basic groceries, it is more than 2.9%. And even if it was only 2.9%, the Bank of Canada is supposed to be keeping inflation to 2%. So there is absolutely no cause for celebration there whatsoever. And by the way, the only reason it was down in January to 2.9% was because gas prices, gasoline prices were down. Well, guess what? Thanks to a, a, a refinery closing down in Indiana, uh, and the, this is the normal maintenance uh, season, gas prices are now up. What was $1.18.9 at my pump became $1.36.9 overnight. That is going to be reflected this time next month when they say, well, inflation was up in February. So, and that, uh, that 2.2% uh, uh, inflation rate target from the uh, Bank of Canada means I don't think interest rates will be going down anytime soon. Which leads uh, me to Mr. Uh, Mr. Trudeau. He has finally discovered monetary policy. Oh, has he? Yeah. Do you it's remember? A, pardon me if I don't think about it. Yeah, uh, I think that was in uh, January uh, 2021. He, he was sort of dismissing this foolish question from the, from the press. Well, forgive me if I don't think about monetary policy. Well, Because budgets balance themselves. Steve, Stephen Harper thought about nothing else for a lot of the time. But um, here he does. He says, well, I hope the bank rate comes down soon. Now he, all of a sudden he's got an opinion. Um, it's, it's a bit rich, actually. I, I thought that, that especially given the underlying facts, which are that the things that people actually need to get from one end of the week to the other end of the week are not down. They are up, and they are up more than 2.9%. And let's not forget, we got another carbon tax hike coming in a it's short time. April the 1st. April 1st, along with the uh, alcohol tax increase on April 1st. So well, that's going to kill you. That's going to kill me, but uh, that's also going to uh, hike inflation yet again. Yeah. Well, um, it, you know, the, it does also expose that the, the economy to centrally manage it is difficult. There's a lot of moving parts. Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan gets rid of the carbon tax, it reduces theirs. Alberta has higher electricity prices, ours are coming up. Supply management uh, impacts things like the prices of, of butter. And overarching, I mean, the, the Bank of Canada, they only have one tool they can meddle with, and that's interest rates to try and, you know, raise or lower. But I mean, if it's outside commodity prices, there's, there's not much they can necessarily do about those specifics. As you said, oh yeah, maybe the housing will go down and be very affordable, <coughs> but suddenly the price of butter will quadruple. It doesn't mean we're, we're doing better. But uh, when we see politicians taking credit when it slows down and then, uh, you know, refusing blame when it, when it goes up, yeah. it's, it's not. Uh... Actually, I mean, mortgage interest rates, if people are feeling broke, it's probably because they had to renew their mortgage at double the, double the rate. Yeah. That, can, that can take $500 a month out of your disposable income, just like that. Well, it's been a big hit for a lot of people. If, if they have a lot of principal <coughs> in their mortgage, they they've, uh, hope they had some buffer in their income to be able to manage that. And I hear a lot of sad stories about yeah. rental uh, rentals being more expensive. Too. A lot of people are losing their homes, and a lot of people have uh, huge increases in rent. Uh, you know, this is before the million immigrants arrive that we have nowhere to put. Well, that's part of what infuriates a lot of people, too, and everything again. If you're going to see them dancing, look at this. It's only 2.7, 2.9% increase for, for the average citizen on the ground when they're looking at their monthly budget if they do want to realize. I don't care what you guys are talking about. I'm sweating 
making the basic payments. Exactly. They don't want to hear it. They, they want to see some hard, solid savings in their day-to-day -day living, and, and that's not happening. Well, this, no. is, this is all fuel for the people who are running against Mr. Trudeau when the time comes. Uh, I mean, I honestly think he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't feel it personally, so he can look at that and say, well, that's a good message there. Well, no, it's not a good message. And that's part of, I think, of uh, why he doesn't get it. He can't get it. He, he's, and whatever, I won't fault him for that. You're born into a wealthy family. Lucky you, that's the way it goes. And he's never had to sweat making the rent or, or all those things that a lot of people had to or have since. But uh, it hasn't bought groceries for a very long time. No, it's just going through that. thousands <laughs> and thousands of dollars worth of groceries a month. But, you know, it, it's that's where their support's going down and they just don't get it. I mean, a person, and I, you know, I said that on X the other day and it taught a person doesn't give a hoot about climate change if they can't make the rent. They don't care about gender pronouns if they can't fill the fridge. They don't care about the, the you know the social justice and garbage that this government's infatuated with when you can't get enough clothing for your kid to go to school. And those issues are what are moving people, no matter where this government wants to mess around, and, and they can't recover on it. No question about it. And then there's justice. <laughs> we'll wrap up on an best easy one Best save the best for last. Yeah, right? let's get on to this one. You know, a name that we'd almost wish we could just forget, but thanks to Canada's system, when somebody gets into it, their names are just going to keep coming up periodically over and over again. And Robert Picton is in the news. Yes, the notorious pig farm killer uh, killed 26 women out of Vancouver's Lower East Side, uh, was finally arrested in uh 2002, I believe, and was went to trial in 2007. Uh, pled guilty to six counts of of uh, second degree murder. Uh, got the maximum sentence under Canadian law, which is 25 years before you can apply for uh, full parole. And the other uh, the other 20 charges were stayed because you couldn't give him any more time than was possible. But tomorrow, Thursday, February 22nd. Robert Picton becomes eligible for day parole. Obviously, he's not going to get it, I wouldn't think, uh, but it just shows you the, the the laughable Canadian justice system at its finest when uh, when he can, uh, you know, probably apply every two years and torment the hell out of those twenty six families. Yeah. No, it, it it's hard to it's hard to come up with uh, with anything other than. The, Disgust at the way the system operates. I mean, I'll say I'll say my favorite. If they do give him day parole, I can't imagine why they would. But uh, that then then you've really got a story on your on your front page, Dave. Yeah, I can't. I'll bet you a week's pay they don't. Oh, I, and if they do give it to him, I don't think he'll last very long out on the streets. But it's reminiscent of Corey uh, Clifford Olson, isn't it, Corey? Well, that, yeah, and I was talking a bit about that on my show earlier today too. With the, the, how infuriating that was. I mean, you knew that that piece of trash was never going to come out of prison again, but he got off on going to those parole hearings and making sure the families of his victims would have to come out and he would torment them and get his thrill. And those families would just be victimized over and over and over and over again. I mean, Olson never got out. He died in prison as he should have. But why do we have to put everybody through this when we know? These are the irredeemable. These are the, the, is it impossible to have a mechanism where we can just say that's it? You know, we're, we're not. Well, in Great Britain now, they do have that. They do have sentences that mean full life sentences. And it's reserved for the most heinous 
heinous crimes possible. So like you said, what's, we're not sentencing them to death. We're just sentencing them to die within, within the, the prison walls. Mm. I don't see anything wrong with uh, real or full-length life terms. But he, but he got the maximum that was available for second degree. Yes. So then the question, I suppose, is did they have some doubts about whether they could get a first degree conviction at the time? I asked the question. I don't have the answer to it. But, yeah, uh, I don't either. That would be the if, if you can convict somebody for second degree. For I think they probably offered them a plea deal. You know, we can go for this six month trial just and to just to courts. get it out of the courts. Okay, we'll give you second degree and uh, uh, twenty five years, because then he could start tormenting his uh, families again in a few years. Right? That's probably what he was thinking. Even if he doesn't have that intent. You know, he's just going to show up at the stupid hearing and walk away and won't bother the families like Olson did. I mean, he's a sadistic monster. They, they both are. I mean, you look at the, again, this is a government that doesn't get it with justice. This wasn't that long ago. Bernardo got moved to a medium security prison. This was, again, a high, high profile. And you know what? There's probably people more dangerous than Bernardo in the prison system. We just haven't heard of them. They, they, there's... You know, all, all sorts of dangerous people lurking in, in those those cells. and But they've got to understand there's some names that are going to trigger the public the moment you get any amount of, of a benefit of the doubt to these guys. And they did that with Bernardo. And, and that took a, a heavy hit to the justice minister at that time. Yeah. And another guy who can apply for parole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, you're right about that. There are some people who come to represent something more than themselves. Because you're right, there are more dangerous people than either of these fellows. Picton, I imagine, is these days a shadow of his former self, and he wasn't exactly a, you know, a, a Hulk back in the, back in 2002. But uh, you just—it's got something to do with our basic desire to see justice done. That we don't want people who've done terrible things to get any advantage. Yeah. And those particularly heinous and notorious yeah. cases like that. And yeah. Picton certainly falls under that category. As you mentioned on your show uh, this morning, that uh, all those women murdered in, uh, in Alberta last year or the year before, all murdered by convicts who had been let out, let out, let loose again. And, uh, and it's, uh, I, I can't imagine the, how these families feel about the Canadian justice system. They just must feel utterly let down. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, you see, these are ones that are offensive, but we know that Bernardo's not going to get out. We know that Picton's not going to get out. But as, yeah, as I said, some do. The most horrific of those those cases I was talking about was, and I don't even want to name him, but it was a gentleman who murdered a mother and child in Hinton, and he'd been released. And he was one of those ones, too, they warned us. He'd already been in jail for very violent crimes. They said he's going to reoffend against women and probably children. They predicted this. And he did one of the most, again, the news didn't cover much because of how bad it was, but what he did was just brutal, and the public doesn't hear those, and unfortunately they do manage to squeak out. I don't think this guy is going to get out now again, but look at the damage he's done. No. We just uh, Our system has big gaping holes, large things to deal with, whether it's the redeemable ones and re reformation and things, but if we could at least keep the most barbaric in, but we seem to have trouble with that. Well, uh, yeah, it's the most unforgivable. I mean, when we've had them. It's one thing that some guy flips his lid, goes out, we didn't know, you know, the neighbor said, boy, you seem like a nice guy or whatever. But when we've had them, in and out, they get out.
Yeah. So that's a fact. All, all those murdered, all the women murdered in Alberta have been murdered by people who were... Not all of them. We just went through a string. There were like four mothers uh, in Alberta. One was actually a, a niece of, of one of my exes, actually, a cousin of my son. Mm -hmm. uh, she was murdered by a, a domestic partner of hers. And again, he had a, a record as long as your arm. There was no reason that guy should have been out on the streets as it was. And there was another case of a, a woman who was, yeah, she was a mother of four run down by a gangster in Forest Lawn. And he'd just been released and he was a multiple uh, violent uh, offender. And, and then, of course, the gentleman, gentleman, the person in Hinton killed that woman and child and that was all in a year and they were all people who had been in custody and there was really no good reason why they should have been loose and it cost the lives of uh, three rebel women. can you imagine the frustration of the police oh yeah you know they get to clean up the mess and investigate it and they see the record and they're they're shaking their heads as much as we are yeah. well all we can do is keep pressuring keep pushing and hope we can fix things as well as we can there's no easy answers i'm afraid so thank you, Nigel. Thank you, Dave, for thank you. another show. We covered a lot of ground today. There was a lot to cover. Boy, it's a busy news scroll. And uh, great time to be buying a subscription, I would think. Absolutely. I'm like, going to wrap up with oh, that. Oh. And the reason we can do this, the reason we have these reporters and columnists and personalities and people working behind the scenes, because you guys subscribed. We are an independent news outlet. We don't take tax dollars. Thanks to you who have subscribed, $9.99 a month, $100 a year, just like a newspaper subscription. And if you haven't subscribed yet, come on, guys, get on board. Nag your friends and family to take out subscriptions, too. It's well worth it. So thanks for tuning in tonight, and we will see you all again next week. Canadian Shooting Sports Association. Without the CSSA, our gun rights would have been taken long, long ago. These guys are on the front lines helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms regulations and legislation in Canada and more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people. To become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny. You can become a Western Standard member for just $10 a month or $99 a year for unlimited access.